I went and had tea with my mom yesterday. My mom basically texted me and was asking, are you going to pick up the kids today? Because if so, why don't you make a pit stop at my house and I'll cook you lunch and we can have lunch together. But yesterday I wasn't supposed to go and pick up the kids. But in the way she proposed it, I felt I should go anyways. Like I felt like she was missing me or she wanted to talk to me. So I told her, I'll just come for coffee. I don't eat lunch, but I'll, I'll just stop by for you and we can hang out a little bit. And so we sat down and she made some tea and we had, as I often have with my mother, very long, very intense conversations. I keep being surprised and impressed by how courageous my mother is at this late age of hers. Like we have thrown my mother. I have given my mother a penny of inner work information. My mom has stretched it to 10,000 bucks, like, and she keeps going and she's relentless. My, probably that's where I have it. Although she seems like such a nice still lady, mm -hmm. but she's relentless. Mm -hmm. The amounts of, hmm, somebody said something. So she tells me this, listen to my mother, my mother, okay, has gone to first and second grade. That's all the education my mother has ever received in her life. Started working at a factory at 12 years old, right? All her friends, all the people in her life, very simple people. She's probably the smartest person within all her kind of friend and family groups. And most of my mother's life, she didn't read many books. She just worked at a factory, cleaned the house, took care of her parents, took care of her children. And that's that. I went to sleep. That's what she did. And now that she's retired, you know, she's approaching 70. The past five years, you know, once in a while, I would suggest to her, you should read this book or pick up this book. And sometimes, it was too difficult for her, but sometimes she'll take a book. And as I'm telling you, like this woman is squeezing very hard. She's going hard, right? Like the kind of things that people tell me that in the past two years have gone, you know, they are in their mid thirties and have gone and done an ayahuasca trip in the Amazon, then came back and do microdosing and have a therapist and have been doing, you know, like intense reading and intense inner work, the kind of like monthly aha moments and ups and downs and things that are, they're going through. My mom is going through the exact same thing. And all she does, she has like four books and she just sits on her couch, but she's relentless. So she tells me that she was having dinner with my kids a couple of days ago and she was retelling my children a story that she had heard many times as a child herself and that she told us, I remember, and it was always sort of like told as a joke. And that's how she told it to my kids. And it was the story about my grandmother and that my mother had one older brother and her older brother was a little bit of a naughty boy, would not listen to his mother. My grandfather was not in the village in Greece. He had migrated to Germany and was working in a factory. So for a while, my grandmother was alone with her two children. Her son would be, you know, a little bit of a devil and not listen to her and do whatever he wanted. She couldn't control him. My mom was very much kind of a very calm and quiet and very, you know, shy little girl. And so my mom told my kids the story of my grandmother, you know, when her son wouldn't listen to her, oftentimes he would run away to the door and then kind of like, you know, do the na 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 or do a little bit of a dance and tell her like, you can't catch me. And then he would just run away and she couldn't catch him. My grandmother would be so frustrated that she would walk into the room of my mother and start beating her up, right? Basically, she was mad at my uncle, but because she couldn't catch him to give him a beating, she would just give a beating, hand out a beating to my mother. It was just playing with her little, you know, stones and sticks and didn't know about anything. Just all of a sudden it would rain down, you know, slaps and 
And my mom told this with sort of a, uh, like, isn't this funny? Like she was so frustrated that she was just hit me because she couldn't hit my brother. And then my kid's mother, Diana, turns around and says to my kids, now imagine this, imagine one of you doing something terrible, me being really mad and wanting to even hit one of you. And one of you runs away and the other one gets a beating. And my kids, you know, my kids were like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. This is terrorism. This is, people should go to jail. This is the worst, this is not okay. Which reminds me, I have to insert this story <laughs> because we're talking about massages. I got a very long, like two hour a shiatsu Japanese massage in Austin once. And I would always take an electric scooter because it was like a 30 minute walk. And with a scooter would be 10 minutes. I would take a scooter to the massage usually. And then afterwards I would walk because I was just too zoned out to like fast paced scooter through the city. The last time I went for a massage, when I went out, I was so zoned out. I was so relaxed by the massage. I could barely walk. And so I knew I didn't want to take the scooter. I wanted to walk. But I made a huge mistake of listening to my mind. And my mind went, well, we're going to save 20 minutes. And we're a bit short on time today. And in these 20 minutes, we could do a quick workout before doing all these other things. So I, idiot, I get on the scooter and I start scooting. And the first second I go, this is an interesting experience. Everything is in slow motion. It's not that bad. <laughs> and then I see a fucking dog running and I look at the dog and I go, oh, a dog is running. And I don't notice that as I'm looking at the dog, my hands are steering in the direction <laughs> and I drive full powered against the fucking wall and Fuck. crash on the ground and like had <laughs> cut up everywhere blood. My phone is like fucked up in the street and I'm on the ground and I am laughing. You know, I am laughing at my own stupidity and I hear the, you know, the song, don't worry, be happy. But I hear a version of it where it's like, don't hurry, be happy. You know, it's like, you wanted to hurry, motherfucker. You shouldn't. And I got up with the tail between my legs. I walked the 30 minutes back home, but like bloodied up and all dirty and all like fucked up. I told the story to my kids. I sent them some pictures of my, you know, me being like all of my injuries. And, and I told it to them in a funny way. Like, look how, what an idiot dad is sometimes. Da, da, da. And I tell them the story. And then my kids sent me a voice message message back. And they're like, Hey dad, we don't think you're an idiot. And we didn't think it was funny. We actually felt bad for you. And then my other son was like, yeah, dad, hope you're all right. And he said to me, and I was like, oh, you know, you know, I was all like, ha ha ha. And then they're like, that's not funny. That's terrible. <laughs> we hope you're okay. And so in a similar vein, you know, they looked at my mom, they're like, that's not funny. This is a yeah. terrible story. There's nothing yeah. funny about it. And my mom tells me afterwards, she's like, I'm sitting at home at night and I think, huh, I thought about this story for 70 years as a funny thing. I've been, you know, it's like mm. a funny thing that mm. she was hitting me instead of my brother. <laughs> and, and she's like, huh, I wonder, I wonder, could it be possible that as a child, I was traumatized by this or I didn't like this? And then she's like, well, let me lay down in bed and let me meditate on this and remember this and, and see what happens. And she lays down and like two minutes later, she starts crying violently. 
You know, it just breaks yeah. out of her. And she cries and cries and cries. Yeah. The end of crying, she's like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't like it as a child. Huh? This kind of makes yeah. sense. <laughs> as she's telling me the story, I'm like, yeah, duh. Imagine you're just a little girl and you're just <laughs> yeah. playing and all of a sudden somebody starts hitting you, <laughs> you know, angrily and violently. Like the most important person in your life starts hitting you. Yes. yes. And you don't know what happened. Like, why are you being hit right now? Could you imagine that that happening once in a while? would put you at a never-ending position of tension and anxiety? Like, how is the world safe if you never know when fists are going to rain down on you? Like, from the person that hugs and kisses you in one moment. And there's no warning that you do. You cannot know because you're not even involved in this. How could this not create some level of this ease and tension? Yeah. And then my mother is telling me, you know, this tension thing is funny because, and dude, I mean, I, I Part of like I'm 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 trying to find a good place for a good massage therapist for my mother to buy her like I don't know years worth of massages because my mother has the world's tensest shoulders like you touch my mother's shoulders it's stone like it's crazy it's it's like I never noticed it before and now when I touch her shoulders I feel sad I'm like Jesus Christ this is not okay this is not okay nothing nothing compares to like I've touched. 10 shoulders. I've had 10 shoulders, but nothing. I've never felt anything the, the level of my mother. This is like, yeah, I remember just tension. hugging her and feeling, feeling that. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So my mother says, you know what? Tension is interesting. It's a, another thing I've been thinking about because even as we were talking, as I was telling her, can you imagine being a little child and then somebody attacks you and blah, blah, blah. And how would that feel? She's like, as you're talking to me, I can tell that I'm holding my teacup and I'm squeezing it really, really tightly and my hands are hurting. And she says, you know, back in the day, and I remembered it once she mentioned it, my mother had always had hand pain, arm pain, shoulder pain. And it was, she always assumed it's from her work, right? She worked at a factory and she did a bunch right. of stuff with her hand in an assembly line. And she was saying, you know, I noticed in the last couple of months that I do tense my arms and hands all the time and often for no reason. I'm not, not when I'm working with them, I'm just sitting here and watching a movie or something. And then I noticed my arms are incredibly tense. And she says, she, she was telling me she's like two days ago, it got so bad. Like I was just sitting there. My hands were like kind of shivering violently and I couldn't control it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Is this because I remembered my childhood? How am I making this? It's the ghost that I summoned. Yeah. It's a phenomenon a lot of people have that do deep inner work and uncover some really unpleasant places of their past is that emotions pop up or things happen and they go, oh, I wish, I mean, if this is what inner work is like, then can Nothing. I just put all this back into the <laughs> box? Can I put these ghosts back into where they came from? And the answer is, well, I'm sure you can. But what I told my mom was, you know, what I've come to realize over a long time for myself, and I wonder if it's similar to with you, is that maybe now kind of a strong attention, you know, swallows up or bubbles up because of all the memories of things. But what's also possible is that you've had this maybe many, 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 many times throughout your entire life. And maybe because you were never noticing or feeling or sensing anything, you would only sense it when it was at a level 10. And now you're sensing it more frequently because you sense it at a level four, at a level six. And maybe now when you sense it, it's more unpleasant because you sense it more fully. And so it's not about 
why is this happening? I'm doing this good in a work. Shouldn't it instantly feel good? It's sort of, you've been taking intense, severe pain medication, way over medicated yourself to the degree where you did not feel a single thing. And now you're trying to get off that pain medication and you start feeling, you know, some side effects. And sometimes you start feeling some pain, but it's a good thing because the pain can teach us where there's a wound and what needs attending to where you need to go slower. You weren't feeling anything, so you could never attend to anything. That pain does not mean that, oh, learning about my past is causing trouble. If I didn't know about it, boom, trouble would disappear. <laughs> this is not, you know, not what I think is happening here. And then we talked a little bit about, we kind of went to a few different places in our conversation, and she told me a, a couple of her current experiences. And we ended up in an interesting place that my mother and I have ended up at a couple of times recently, which is the metaphor of the two sides of the same coin. I've talked about this with you probably before, but I think I, there's more to this idea. I want to dig a bit deeper. What we were talking about with my mother is this trait she developed, this habit of never, ever complaining, mm. right? Not to herself and not to anyone else, just always sort of shoulder shrugging and going, that is life. I don't know. Everything is okay. Let me do more work. And we were talking about that. Like, what is that? That is, in, in many cases, a strong counter reaction to the opposite of that behavior, which would be somebody that always complains and whines and feels sorry for themselves. When my mother thinks of somebody that's incredibly whiny and feels sorry for themselves, my mother turns from this externally, she stays the same. My mother externally seems always very stoic, very kind, very nice, like this, a very nice, quiet little lady. But internally, she turns into an incredibly judgmental person, very harsh person, actually, in her heart. Because to her, if you, if you complain, you're a terrible person, like... Mm -hmm. What right do you have to complain? Why should somebody else have a, a harder lot than you? Why shouldn't you have the pain you have? Like, why do you deserve any better? For my mother, it's like you complaining is a kind of one of the worst things you can do. Like it's, it's a sort of, she perceives it as a sort of sinful arrogance. Like mm -hmm. I am, a, I should be above this. She's like, no, you're not. I was telling her, what is one of the biggest pains that somebody creates that is constantly complaining, constantly whining about things. She's like, well, they're an incredible burden on their family. They're an incredible burden on their friends. They're a burden at their work to their coworkers. They're just a burden to everybody. And that is true. What some doesn't realize is that when you go the exact opposite, you're still embodying the exact same thing. So when you go from super whiny, super complaining to stoically never ever complaining about anything, no matter what is happening. You are also a burden to everybody. You are burdensome, just in a very different way, right? You're not burdening people by being loud, by being nagging, by asking for attention, but you're burdening them by not allowing anyone around you to ever be able to express a real grief or complaint or pain. You're burdening people by judging them by your mere existence, by making themselves feel judged whenever they feel any kind of pain or problem. So you're making everyone's life harder 
you're never lightening anyone's shoulders. Your existence now makes everybody's existence harder. Just like the whiny person is making everybody's existence harder. It's the same coin. It's the exact opposite side, but heads or tails, it's still a penny, right? It's like a penny. You can you buy the exact same thing with it, no matter which side of it is. Now, people think, we all think, I am the, I despise this person. I despise this type of action so much. I am the exact opposite. So I'm going to be, I'm so much better because I'm so opposed and opposite to it. But what we don't realize is what we hate, we embody, Mm -hmm. right? We embody the things we hate. We just do it in the flip side, which then makes us confused and imagine that we are the that we are something different. This is a penny and I'm a dollar, but we're not. We're just heads <laughs> of the penny and they're the, the tails. Like it's, it's the same core. It's the same energy. It's the same message. And I never thought about this, about this particular trait before, because I'm the same way. And I used to be as extreme as my mother, because I admired that in her. And I learned that from her, not with words, but just through actions that I could not stand anyone ever expressing any kind of complaint. I just can't. And I would never or very rarely complain to anybody about anything. What I never realized is how much of a burden I could be for everyone, including myself. Everything in its extremes is wrong, is a lie. Truth is never at the extremes. It's always somewhere oscillating around whatever we could perceive as a middle. It's never crass. It's never extreme. It's never so hard. It's never that it's absolute yes or absolute yes. always no. Yeah. It, it is much more gentle, like a little flag in the wind. You know, it is reacting to things. It is moving with things. There's a certain flexibility and grace. There is truth for you. Something that's mechanically hardened, just pointing in one direction, one direction only to all sensations and situations in life is never true. It's That is a lie. Now, you might like that lie better than the other lie, but they're both at the core opposed to truth. They're not the truth. The person that's always giving excuses and explanations and saying, oh, it's not my fault. I'm not going to the gym. It's raining. It's not my fault. I'm not doing this. It's That person is as at the core untruthful as the David Goggins, just to take him as an example. I don't know how he lives his real life, but as the kind of David Goggins ideal of a person, it's like everything is in your control and you have to beat up your inner bitch every day, be hard, be there, and then and fuck, you know, that's as much bullshit as the other fucking asshole, right? It's just the opposite, the coin flip of that bullshit penny, but it's the same thing. Yes, sometimes you have to be hard, motherfucker, and go with it and beat up your inner bitch. Sometimes that is what is requested and required. Sometimes you need to collapse and cry because it's just too much. And if you don't express that and live that and feel that, if your child has just died and you're like, well, this is life, get hard, time to get harder. You're not... (laughs) You're not someone's hero. You're a piece of shit. That's what you are. That is what you are. You're a piece of shit. And I'm not even talking to other people, to yourself. Oh my God, how terrible of a person are you to yourself? And there's nothing awesome about this because it's a lie. Because inside of you, if you open up just enough, there's enough of these tough men and women that will eventually collapse. How did they eventually collapse? Because at the core, there was a child hiding. 
that they were afraid to show themselves in others. That's not strength or courage. Locking up all your fears and weaknesses into, into the you know, basement is not some sort of like, look, in my family, only strong people exist. No, there's a fucking basement full of children that you're torturing. It's, no, this is not the truth. So, but we think something is bad. Being weak is bad. So being strong must be good. And if being extremely weak is extremely bad, being extremely strong and hard must be extremely good. It's not so. Nothing at its extremes is good. And how could you, my mother was like, ha, huh, this is so true, but I would have never, this would have never made sense to me. How can I, if I'm always working, if I'm always keeping quiet, if I'm always doing my duty, if I'm always, how can I be a burden to anybody? I'm like, I'm lifting as many burdens as I can. How can I be a burden? But then she was telling me yesterday, it's like, you know what? She had a colleague at this factory that she was working with, a coworker. And that woman and my mother were very close friends. They liked working next to each other and telling each other stories about the children and their lives. This woman had a lot of migraines and she had a lot of like pains, body pains. My mother probably too, right? Like, I mean, here's a, a person that is saying that casually during the day, her hands violently shake in pain. Like, it's, uh, this, and this uh -huh. is not... A new <laughs> phenomenon, like my mother probably had a lot of suppressed tension, but my mother never talked about anything, never in her life once said, I, like, even if she had a headache, nobody would ever know, including herself back in the day. So she's like, one day, Anna, her friend, comes to the factory and she starts telling my mother about a, that she's really in pain, that she has a strong migraine again this morning. And my mother says, she said, like, three words. And then she stopped herself. She's like, I didn't even respond yet. Like I was just doing things. And I looked at her, she just started the sentence. My head is really, and then she turned like her eyes spit it out flame. She turned red and she got herself in a rage and started screaming at my mother. And what she was screaming at my mother was you never fucking have any pain. You never are sick. You never have any problem. I can't even talk to you and feel okay. What kind of a person are you? And she got really mad at my mother because she, in that moment where she wanted to tell my mother her pain, she realized I can't do, I can't enjoy it with this fucking robot. This robot doesn't know about human emotions. And she exploded. And my mom was telling me yesterday, she's like for like a whole week, all day long, I was sitting and I was thinking, how did I make her mad? I didn't do anything. Mm. Like my mom was totally puzzled by this. Like, this makes no sense to me. I didn't even say a word. Why is she so mad at me? Like, I don't understand this. this my, my, my mom was like, I was so puzzled. I was thinking about thinking. And then eventually I just went like, I don't know. And I forgot about it. <laughs> and, you know, yesterday she was telling me, well, you know, now... I kind of understand that if you come every day to work and tell somebody about your pain and that person is always smiling and like and over years, like they, these women yeah. worked next to each other on an assembly line for like 25 years, for whatever reason that day, she could not feel the comfort because she felt like she's talking to somebody that A, doesn't understand her or probably judges her because somebody that has pushed themselves so extreme that they can never express anything unpleasant how can they not be very judgmental about me constantly expressing these things? So even when you don't say a word, you're the most stoic person ever. And you're always just 
burdening everything and you always take more and more responsibility, it doesn't mean that you're not a burden to other people because sometimes, you know, being stoic is not your truth and it's not what others need of you. Nobody ever always just needs one thing of you. I'm always strong. Awesome. So many times you're an asshole and you're not helpful to anybody. I'm, you know, always empathetic and I always support people no matter what they do. Well, awesome. Then oftentimes you're a fucking asshole and you help people not accomplish their goals and be worse than they are. No matter what you're always, it's not good. And especially the thing that you're particularly prideful about for always, I am always positive. Congratulations, you're an asshole, right? Something about something here isn't right. It doesn't matter how good I'm always giving. It doesn't matter what I'm always helping. I'm always helping people. Then sometimes you're an asshole, right? What a selfish prick you are sometimes. You just don't realize it, right? You have to really look deep to uncover this, that you think you're the opposite of, you think that good and evil are two opposite sides of a room. And if you stand in the good corner, everything you do is good but it's not so, right? You're not in the good corner. You're in the extreme corner. And everything that's in the extreme corner is bad. No matter what it is, even trying to be extremely good will be extremely bad. It's the same thing. It is the same thing. It just looks different. And so asking oneself, what is it that I always do that I take some pride in that I gain strength from, that I think makes me who I am, that is what other people tell me stands out about me. Because oftentimes these traits are the things that others will notice and talk about and highlight. Ah, Steli's always blah, you know? And then you like it that everybody's saying this about you. You like that you're thinking about yourself this way. And you think in this area, I figured life out. I'm good. I'm always strong or I'm always disciplined, or I'm always determined, or I'm always giving, or always loving. Attached to that idea, right? Yes. Attached and everything you do is completely rigid and extreme because you're always just in that corner. And maybe it's time to flip that coin on the other side and to realize, well, if I'm the opposite of this thing that I really hate, maybe I am at the core creating the same thing in the world.